these kids know more about marketing than anyone that's got an MBA, than anyone that's been in the industry for X amount of years. Welcome to Hardly Working, a podcast about how we can improve work, life, and everything in between. These are recordings from live conversations on Fishbowl, a social network where professionals of the same industry have anonymous career conversations. You can join us live next time on the Fishbowl app. We have events every day. Okay, let's dive in. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for spending your Monday with us. Um, I know you can be anywhere, so thank you for taking that time with us. Um, And I'm super excited for tonight's Fishbowl Live. Uh, My name is Rachel Dwyer. I am what I'm a project manager for Fishbowl Live. For Fishbowl Live. I'm glad that I forgot that for a second. Uh, And joining me today is Joanna Soricelli founder of JS Marketing and Management, and Alex D. Simone, Director of Business Development at StarTalk Media with Neil, with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, so I'll let you go, Joad. Just give us a little bit more on your background. Sure. Hi, everyone. Um, like Rachel said, I'm Joanna Sorcelli, um, and most recently founded my own marketing and management agency called JS Marketing Management. Um, I manage a handful of professional athletes, specifically um, in the sport of football or soccer, as I say in quotes, um, as well as an up-and-coming pop singer, songwriter, musician. Um, And prior to that, which is where I met Alex, um, I was part of Vayner Talent, um, which is under the umbrella of VaynerX, founded by Gary Vaynerchuk. So bit of my background. We'll get much more into it. I don't want to give everything away now, but I'll let Alex give a little intro on himself. What's up, everyone? Appreciate you jumping on on a Monday night. I'm Alex D. Simone, Director of Business Development for StarTalk Media, which is Neil deGrasse Tyson's media and production company. For those that don't know, Neil is a, uh, an astrophysicist by trade, built quite the brand for himself around his, his knowledge and expertise and probably most importantly, his his persona uh, and his personality. Appreciate you guys jumping on. Looking forward to diving into this. And thanks to Rachel and Fishbowl for hosting us. Hey, thanks for that, guys. So uh, I do just want to let everyone know, so you can definitely join this conversation anytime. Um, how you can do that is you should, see, you should see a join as speaker button at the bottom. And then so you can join the speaker and we'll get to you with any questions. If you don't want to join the stage, feel free to send me a direct message. And how you can do that is click my profile send me a message if you don't want to join the stage and then I'll read it out um, and make sure that they get to that. So um, let's just kick it off. So the first question that I have for both of you is it seems like right now in the age of social media, everyone is like a brand. Everyone has like staged photos. They have curated feeds. Do you continue to see this as be like a lucrative for the average person? Because when I joined social media, it was none of that. No one had curated feeds. It was very like raw, but now it's very much people are making, actually, I mean, not everybody, but you can have a kind of a lucrative career. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously not going anywhere. I think it's only going to continue to get bigger and bigger, um, meaning people as brands. Um, But I mean, I think it really depends on what you're trying to achieve in terms of it being lucrative for the average person, right? I think it's what are you looking to build a brand for? Is it because you're building a business on the back end and 
by you building a brand around yourself, there's benefits. Is it you as the brand itself in that maybe you do, you know, you're a fashion influencer or comedy or something to that degree. So I think there's just varying degrees of, you know, what that means in terms of it being lucrative for the average person. But thinking long tail, I don't think this is going away. I think it's only actually going to get bigger and bigger. Again, meaning people as brand. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this is, to use a baseball reference, the first inning of what personal brands look like. I think the days of curating a beautifully orchestrated Instagram profile in order to communicate said brand are, are no longer. Um, I think more and more people are seeing through that kind of stuff. People are craving authenticity. So similar to where like call it Barney's right in Manhattan is a very curated storefront, whereas you might have this dungy-ish apparel store on the Lower East Side. They're both going to be successful, but for two different reasons. One is tapping into an audience who wants this curated, cleaned up, very orchestrated experience where the other one wants truth and authenticity and that bit of ruggedness. So if I were to bet, I think it's the people that are going to be truthful and forthcoming with their audiences from day one. Those are the ones that are going to succeed over a longer period of time. That's not to say that those are a little bit more calculated, a little bit more produced. Can't. I just think those days where everyone was so conscious of how their brand was portrayed on social, those days are dwindling where I think just being a true and authentic human is is what's going to win. Kind of going off of that. So I know like some people are kind of building their own just brands and sometimes they use it to like in the job market, they will try people that are like bloggers or like LinkedIn influencers or different things have kind of used that to leverage getting different job opportunities. Do you think that's something that's necessary? I think right now it might be a little bit more of the employees have a little bit more leverage right now. But do you think it's important to kind of build your own brand for just like the regular job market? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I think it's funny because all of these questions, there's such a gray area, right? I, I think it really depends on the industry, what you're trying to achieve, um, you know, what you're putting out there. So, you know, there's not like a black and white answer to this, but it certainly can open new doors. I mean, the reality is, and I would bet almost everybody on here, like if you're watching TV or you meet somebody, you know, the first thing you do is kind of look them up, you know, LinkedIn. I'm sure a lot of people on here constantly look people up on LinkedIn when they, you know, hear about them. So, or whether it's interviewing, you're going to look the person up. But, you know, whether or not it's important to fully, fully build out a brand, I think it just depends on, on what the career is, you know, what might be necessary of you in the role um, for that job. So gray, gray area, but I, I think it can be very beneficial in some ways, right? Particularly, you know, I come from a marketing background. So making sure that you have knowledge and you're using these digital platforms, you know, for me would be a major plus sign, right? If I am interviewing somebody and I can go to their social media channels and see that, you know, they're really savvy on these platforms, then that's that's a major bonus for me for somebody that might be hiring somebody in that area of expertise. But if I'm a doctor, um, you know, maybe I don't need to see what you're doing on TikTok. That might not be like the biggest priority for me. So again, a bit of a gray area, but um, I think, you know, it, it has its pros and cons. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, I think it's definitely industry dependent 
Obviously, if you're creative, you want to stand out as much as you can. And especially in this day and age where there's a lot more creatives coming to the surface and then there's probably a there's more jobs for them, but b there's just a lot of competition. So you're going to need to do what you can to stand out. And that's not just have your work stand out, but also have your personality stand out. And I think that goes for all industries. Like, yes, there's some industries that may not require you to be creative or knowledgeable of these social platforms. But at the end of the day, you're still a human and there is a personality behind you and a personality that people are going to want to choose to work with. So I think it is important to not just think about how do I position myself as a brand, but at a very basic level, how do I position myself as a human? Like, how do I position myself as somebody wants to hire because they want to hang out and they want to work with me and they know that I'm going to be somebody that is going to be supportive, communicative, et cetera, right? I'm not just going to be someone that's clocking in and out. And again, that's not the case for everything, but I think it would go a long way if you can show a little bit of your personality to stand out. And that could be as simple as posting an image of, of you and your, your, your wife on vacation or you and the kids or whatever you're comfortable with, something that's giving somebody a little bit more insight outside of your resume. So on one hand, you can go uber creative and, and create a beautiful website and, and be dominant on all these social platforms. And at the very basic level, you could show a little bit of personality so people get a better sense of who you are outside of nine to five, because especially in this day and age, when a lot of us are working in virtual environments and we're in the comforts of our own home, a lot of that personality is going to shine through regardless. So you might as well do what you can to curate it up front so that people get a better sense of who you are, you know, when the laptop's closed. Love that. You both mentioned that we started with is that you both worked for Gary Vee and Vayner Media. I actually bought the Jab Jab hookbook, <laughs> I think. That was like maybe like 10 years ago when social media, I think people were just figuring out how to make money off of social media. And I actually did buy his book, which feels like very old <laughs> that I bought the book versus like buying it online or or something. Um, but yeah, I do have like, I still have it, the physical book. I don't know how relevant it is today. Um, but that's something that stands out to me. Uh, <laughs> since you both worked with him closely, <laughs> don't laugh. Um, what, what are some insights and takeaways that you walked away with from working with someone like Gary B? Yeah. So first off, just for anybody that isn't familiar with the book, I think it does still stand today. And I, I don't think it will ever not stand. It's just a really simple analogy of providing people value before you make an ask, right? So no matter what your business is, it might be providing entertainment. And then you might say, you know, buy this, whatever that means. But it's this simple, simple, simple analogy of jab, 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 give, 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 and then ask, which is that right hook, which is the title of the book. So I think it still stands today, super relevant. Um, but yeah, so my background, because um, Alex and I have a little bit different of a path in terms of working with Gary, but my background, so I spent the early part of my career really in the traditional marketing advertising circuit of all your big holding companies, everything from TV commercials to print ads to you know direct mail, which I'm aging myself. And I actually found Gary on Twitter, right, about when he was founding VaynerMedia and he was interested in finding people that had an agency background. So for those that aren't familiar, he started the agency with his younger brother who was just out of college and with the world of social media growing at rapid rates, needed to kind of bring in some people with a bit of an agency background. So found him on Twitter, we messaged a bit, and I guess you could say the rest is history. I worked at VaynerMedia for about seven and a half years leading brands, primarily social and digital. Everything from fashion to wine and spirits to pet food to technology to financial institutions. So we kind of got to cover the gamut in that time. And then about, I guess, 
Now it would be like two years ago, Gary had started at a small talent agency called Vayner Talent, which I went over to lead uh, strategy and content. And that is where I met Alex. And so we worked, you know, went from kind of brand marketing more into marketing for individuals, really leveraging both how we were building brands um, for more traditional brands in the digital space, but also how Gary built his brand um, using the power of social media. So that was a bit of the Vayner talent world. But um, I'll let Alex give a little bit of his background, and then we can maybe just get into some like tips and insights from Gary. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, I mean, I think even Rachel referencing that book is a great example. Like that is a piece of content that he put out into the world, which is also how he got on my radar. I was working in the the tech and startup space. I was working out of a co-working space. Gary just so happened to be giving a talk. I sat in on it and that's where I got more or less my first introduction to this guy. And back then I was all about the tech and startup world. I wanted to start a bunch of companies. I built a couple small things that I was passionate about. And my whole ambition was like, this guy through his content makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know who he is. I don't know him, but whatever he's putting out into the world makes sense to me. And I like it. And to the point where I was like, I need to find a way to get to him. And the best way for me to do that was to decide to join his agency. Now, I never worked in marketing. I never worked in advertising. My whole ambition was to find my way into this guy's world and get to know him, eventually pitch him an idea, run away with all of his money and be off into the sunset. Seven years later, that didn't happen. But, you know, obviously we, we built a real, real rapport, a relationship with each other and, and something that was 100% life changing for me in my trajectory as a professional. It's all really based on content. So I think the biggest takeaway and to what Joanna and Rachel were saying earlier is like his thinking is to put things out into the world and then build insight from those reactions, right? And because of the things that he was putting out into the world, he was able to get folks like me and Joanna who were young, ambitious, hungry to join his company. Now, that wasn't the reason for the content that it, what he was putting out, but it was that signaling that he was putting out into the market, which is why I got attracted to, to who he was to begin with. So I think it's super, super important. And for all of us, and I, I don't think not everyone in this room is here to build this monstrosity of a personal brand, but there are these little things that we could be taking advantage of day in and day out to, to attract the certain types of people and opportunities that we want in our lives. And I think it's crucial. I think we're living in a very, very special time where we can take advantage of these opportunities. Um, and I'm excited to dive a little bit deeper into it. Yeah. And just to piggyback on that, I mean, I would say, and I I know, Rachel, there's some other questions that we had talked about that might pop up. So excuse me if I jump ahead. But, um, you know, to Alex's point of gleaning those insights, I mean, some of the biggest takeaways that I got from Gary is really trial and error. So I think a lot of times, you know, working in the more traditional space, it's you spend months and months and months and months and months to create something, you put it out and it may not work. And I think the beauty of social social media is is the ability to move quickly and not be too precious about what you're doing um, and really trial and error. So what are those insights? What can you build upon? But I think before all of this is, you know, what is the end goal? It's not just putting everything out into the world. It's putting a lot out into the world that is still guiding you towards the goal that you have. Um, and then I think the other piece, and Gary talks on it a lot, 
still, I mean, if you follow him, you know, he's all over the NFT market and really just about being early and kind of capitalizing on undervalued attention. Um, And so again, if that aligns to your strategy and where you need to be, I mean, I think that that's incredibly important. And that's something that has allowed him to be very, very successful over the years. Yeah. And Alex, you worked more closely with Gary, right? Than Joanna. Is that correct? Uh, yes. In a different regard. So I worked on Gary's personal brand starting about seven years ago. Uh, there was there's three people on the team at the time. It was a videographer, a writer and a designer. People knew that I wanted to get close to him. And he called me one day and said, hey, I need someone to run business development for my brand. Do you want to do it? And, and that's kind of how it started. So that was early days. And, you know, by business development, it really meant like take on whatever projects we have coming find ways to monetize the brand more appropriate, build relationships, connections, find ways to to get the brand and the content in as many places as possible. So I did that for about four years. And as Joanna was saying earlier, that was kind of the impetus for what became Vayner Talent, which became this personal branding agency of sorts where we were doing what we were doing for Gary, but for other folks, be it athletes, musicians, other entrepreneurs, et cetera. So An- Anon, I see you on stage. You have a question for them? Yeah, hey, uh, Rachel, thank you. Uh, I actually didn't mean to join this accident, but since I'm here, I might as well. Take advantage. Let's go. Uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you to uh, you, Rachel, and to Alex and Joanna for hosting this session. So very quickly, so my, my own background, I, I sort of operate at the intersection of strategy, technology, and transformation, if you will, as an entrepreneur and a C-level leader. In my, uh, you know, sort of mind, the world is changing fast, right? Self-publishing is now the only way to publish stocks, right? Self-branding is, you know, fast-cleaning ground. And I can't really think about, right, there's two sides to my brand that, that you know, I want to talk about, right? There's, there's one aspect that's permanent. It's the, uh, you know, it's the point about how I'm an authentic leader, you know, how, you know some, of the, some of the permanent skills I bring to the table, if you will, right? And then there's, a, there's another aspect which is, you know, changing with, you know, uh, which is about adapting to the world around us. And, and I wonder about how to self-brand yourself so you're, you're sort of current on both sides, if you will, if that makes sense. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for the question. Thanks for jumping on. I mean, I, I think I think a lot of the the barriers that people run into when they're thinking about positioning themselves as a brand is they confine themselves to this notion that it needs to be packaged in a certain way. And this day and age, it, it just doesn't. I think it, you just put out what feels right to you. And over time, you're going to realize what's working, what's not working, what you're comfortable putting out into the world, where you're not. And then from there, you could build it. But you're not going to necessarily be able to control how the top line of your brand is perceived. It's more so, what can I put out into the world? How do I instill value with my audience? How do I achieve my objectives via that content? And then from there, your brand will develop. But the last thing I want anyone to do is kind of get bogged down into, okay, I want to do this, but I also want to do this. Do I have to pick one? And that's just not the case. I think the biggest thing is just understanding the messaging you want to put out there the rooms you want to speak in, right? Which platforms make the most sense? Where is my audience? And then from there you adapt, but don't let that stop you. Like a lot of times people allow the production value of their content stop them. Oh, I don't have the right, I don't have the right studio. I don't have the right lighting. This isn't going to work. And, and that's just, and that's just an unnecessary excuse when in reality, you can easily jot down a couple of words. You could put up a still image. You could buy stock photography. You can shoot video on your phone. There's just a million ways to do it. Um, 
but the, the hardest part is actually getting started. So my, my advice to you is just, just get started, start putting those things out there and then adapt as you evolve as a, a thought leader. Okay. Uh, thank you, Alex. I, I guess my question is more to do with, you know, how do you, how do you sort of, uh, project the permanent aspect of yourself and the aspect of the change, right? But, but me. Do you have anything to add to that, Joanna? Nope, I think Alex answered it perfectly. Okay, great. So the next question that I have, this one's for Joanna, but do you have anything to add on to it, Alex? I know you've had kind of a vast amount of experience as well. You know, I'd definitely love to hear your thoughts on it too. Um, but so Joanna, you work with mostly like artists and athletes right now. Yep. How have you seen building a personal brand be an asset for public figures? Because I think right now, right, there's the people that are just, you know, everyday people that are creating brands around what they do. And so that's something I think that's unique. But there's also the people, right, that like athletes, artists that already kind of have that, that are known and that's been what they do. But yep. they're kind of the two different groups now. Like how is it an asset to them that already have that kind of, that are like the talent already? Yeah, so it, it, it's, you know, I saw when you had sent this question through as a potential question and thought a lot about it. And just in my day-to-day, the traditional versus the influencer, I mean, everybody's kind of competing for the same attention. So to some degree, there really isn't a difference. Sure, there might be a little bit, you know, there's always going to be a difference in terms of what people are coming to your page to consume. But when it comes to opportunities, meaning events or endorsements or things of that nature. I mean, everyone's really competing for that same attention. I mean, you see it today. And um, just as an example, so um, Sarah Body, uh, I don't know if people are familiar, but it's the like massage gun. They have a lot of like athletic um, uh, treatment uh, recovery items. So um, you'll see like they've just signed the Peloton, one of the Peloton instructors, but at the same time signed Cristiano Ronaldo. So it's really like an even playing field in terms of how, you know, people are coming up today. But when I think about, you know, clients that have, um, and again, I know you all can't see me, but I use quotes like they have a regular or a day job, meaning um, I work with clients who, you know, play in major league soccer. But I think, you know, building a personal brand, you know, you're all, you know, there's how many players on a team, how many players in the league. By building a personal brand, it really gives them the ability to open new doors beyond their traditional job. So, you know, I work with a client who um, mental health is incredibly important to him. And so that's something that he's decided to talk about um, outwardly on his social media channels. And it's opened new doors for him. So, you know, what you kind of put out there and again, not to jump too far ahead, but really reverse engineering them. So there's the there's the athlete side of it, but then there's what are they doing off the pitch and really kind of reverse engineering their content to help open those doors for them, which then sets them apart from their fears. So I think, um, you know, where we see that being really beneficial to them is in that regard. But I do think it's important to remember that everybody is kind of competing for the same attention, whether um, you are an athlete or a singer um, or somebody that that is an influencer, right? I mean, some of these TikTok people on TikTok have significantly more follows than even like LeBron James. Um, and so, yes, there might be value in the role. And I think it all depends. But but I do think that we're all kind of competing for the same attention today. Alex, do you have anything to add on to that? Uh, yes. <laughs> I think it's just a conversation of leverage, right? And creating these platforms for yourself to do the things that you want to do. I remember, I'll try not to make this a 
a history lesson on my time with Gary Vee, but you know, when we started, he was more or less a nobody, relatively speaking, right? Not that many p- people knew him. If we're talking in in terms of followers, he had 30,000 on Instagram, right? Now he's got a plus million, like t- the times were different, but it was him cultivating that brand that allowed him to build this platform, this leverage for him to do the things that he wanted to do, whether that was start businesses and promote them via his channels or uh, create books, et cetera. Like there was a time when I started working with him where I was knocking on the doors of all these different outlets, what CNN, Inc., um, Fast Company, what have you, just trying to get them to feature him. Fast forward two years later, after all this time and effort we put into cultivating his brands, it was now those companies looking to tap him for bigger things. It was now larger than life names. Like then it was Tony Robbins, like this larger than life character who, it was knocking on Gary's door to promote Tony's book, right? It, the table's completely turned. So I think the power of the personal brand is really just an opportunity to give yourself an at-bat and utilize this leverage and a platform to do whatever it is you want to do, whether that is link out to a GoFundMe that's important to you. That's not going to really get traction unless there's people that are going to see it, right? Or sell a book that you're working on or sell the the apparel company or the merchandise that you've been building, right? You can't really do that stuff without attention. So you're either going to pay for that attention or over time, you're going to build a community of sorts, a platform to leverage. And I think it goes for anybody. The beauty is that everybody's got a chance, right? It's 2021. Not everybody. Most people have a chance to do this. (laughs) But to Joanna's point earlier, like it makes it even more difficult because there's so much more competition. Kind of going off of that, I'm just curious of do you think so there's some people that are, you know, kind of like to say like have their day job. They're not, social media may or may not be as important as them. So if it's like an athlete, an artist, do you see kind of a big difference or shift for people that are already famous for their day job and they don't want to be, they don't want to share on social media. They don't care about building their brand outside of what they actually do. Do you see like, how do you make a case for people that, you know, are generally a little bit more maybe reserved, don't want to put themselves out there. They just want to, you know, do their job with acting, you know, athlete, singer, whatever. Where do you kind of put that like value add for them? Like, how do you kind of show that like there is a value for this for people that don't think that they necessarily need it? I mean, I think that just question comes down to do you want it? Right. So and I might bash his name and apologies if I do, but like Kali Leonard, right? Basketball player, no social media whatsoever, but he's one of the best in the game and is making a hell of a lot of money and and probably has no desire and no need to, you know, have social media. If he did, could he make exponentially more money and, and get called for more opportunities? Certainly, but that just may not be something that he's interested in and a priority to him. And for that, I would say like, great, you know, but to anyone that, that, is looking for more opportunities or has goals and objectives beyond maybe their day-to-day in the case of athletes, right? I mean, we're certainly seeing athletes last a lot longer in their careers now. If you look at, you know, Tom Brady and so forth, I think I just saw Tony Hawk like showed up at one of the competitions and I think he's in his 50s now. So maybe there is no time limit anymore. But, um, you know, especially in the sport of soccer, I mean, average players like don't make it too far past 30. So and particularly in the MLS, the, the you know, top salary is significantly lower than many other sports. So it's what what are things that you might want to do beyond the sport? Um, you know, if you didn't get an education, 
uh, you know, what what careers might there be for you? Why not take advantage of the attention that's on you now to potentially build for a post-career opportunity or even maximize um, some of the opportunities that might be present at this time? So it really just depends on what you want. I would never, you know, try to, if somebody had no interests and they were perfectly fine with it, I would never try to push them on it. But for those that have interest or things that they might want to do, you know, I certainly think there's a ton of value in building out a brand for themselves to accomplish, you know, whatever their goals might be. Yeah, couldn't agree more. This is definitely not a conversation of like, this is the only way. This is certainly not the only way. Is there a ton of value in it? Of course. And I think we've seen it over time in a non-social media era with faces of brands like Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or Warren Buffett, you know, these for Richard Branson, like these people became faces of their brands and they and they tapped into their likability and their ability to communicate um, and their charisma and what have you. And and that's not to say that everyone needs that. There's a million and one businesses that were not maybe not just as successful, but for different reasons, very successful without a face that we can name, right? So it really just depends on what your appetite is. If there's power in it. There's a reason a lot of brands have mascots and people that represent them. It's because humans like humans and it's human nature to tie themselves to a personality and a persona. But it's definitely not the end all be all. It's just if you can tap into it, it's probably highly advised because it it, it is powerful. So this next question is more for Alex, but if you have anything to add, you know, please feel free. Um, so Alex, you work with finding strategic partners, you know, within comedy and pop culture. How do you look at someone and how do you evaluate like what would be a good partner? Because this is more like strategically, this is like you're thinking money. Like, how do you think, how do you evaluate that? I mean, it really boils down to what is our ambition and what is the the ambition of the company that we're, we're working with? What do they want to achieve? And do their, their values align with ours? Like, I very well can't just take any brand to Neil or StarTalk and say, hey, listen, we've got a million dollars. Let's do it. Like, that's just not going to happen. There needs to be uh, a, a convergence of of, of values and, and shared interests. Um, so for us, it's really understanding what do we need to achieve? Our whole objective is educating as many people as possible. This job is very different than the past when my job was kind of, I was looking for endorsements for athletes and, and media personalities who more or less were going to take most of the opportunities that you brought to them so long as it made sense. This is different where all Neil's ambition, our team's ambition is just to educate as many people as possible. On the flip side, in order for us to do that, we do need some financial support. So I'm operating in this interesting space where we've got this big name. There's probably a, a fair amount of brands that do want to align with us because at the very least, we have a, a large audience and the attention of that audience. But by no means am I just taking any opportunity that comes our way. There just needs there needs to be that shared value and we need to meet in the middle and understand what do you represent? What do we represent? Doesn't make sense for both of us to start dating, if you will. But it's pretty simple other than that. So I'm going to move on. We kind of touched about this earlier, but I can like for me, I have a real life example that I saw, which is I don't know if you guys are familiar with Addison Ray, but she's like a TikTok star. I'm not really sure what her I know that she was like in a new movie remake and different things. And she was able to use her star power to become, I think it's a UFC correspondent. 
And but then, you know, social media kind of lashed out at that and then she got fired. Um, and so it's an interesting to me, like, what do you really think of that? Because she's very much an example of like the non-traditional talent and very much someone that has used her influencer status to get some like great careers, m- make a lot of money. But she still was subjected to like getting fired even after the job. So how do you see like key differences between working with like a traditional versus like someone like Addison Ray who could get fired just because people I don't know didn't like that she didn't have background I guess for it or like not traditional job yeah I mean I don't I haven't worked with like the traditional like non-traditional influencer to date so I can't speak to you too much in that um, all of the clients that I work with have some sort of career or thing that they've been known for whether that be singer athlete, entrepreneur, you know, they've all kind of created or have done something that kind of got them to a certain point. But in the case of Addison Ray and and those like her, I mean, listen, I mean, even the D'Amelios, like, I think it's great that they've built these brands and it's opened, you know, the doors to opportunities. I mean, the reality is, is, you know, they were putting out content, it happened to go viral. And, you know, to Alex's earlier point of kind of watching the insights and what's happening. And if you're interested in it, capitalizing on it, I think they've all done a really good job at that. And I have no problem with them getting opportunities because of it. I mean, I think that's kind of to some degree the way the world works, right? Like, you know, certain athletes get access to certain things because of who they are, because of what they're known for. So I think where, and again, I don't know too much. And so I don't want to speak out a turn on it. I think where she went wrong was my understanding when she started talking about how she went to to school and tried to learn for three months and kind of made it like she worked very hard for it. And then that's where things sort of went sour. And so in my mind, in that case, it's just a bit of lack of self-awareness. I think there's the being thankful for the opportunities and sort of where things have taken you to date, but then but then handling it, you know, appropriately. And so you know, obviously there are people that study for those things and train and are interviewing and try, you know, to get to those levels and they never get there. And I certainly understand how it's frustrating. But, you know, I think where she just went wrong is the lack of self-awareness in that one. But, you know, I think it's great that they've all capitalized on these opportunities as most people would. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I I love it. I actually don't know this story with Addison in the UFC. It certainly took me by surprise when I just heard that. Not the obvious match, but good on her. She found an opportunity. The UFC was willing to take her on from what it sounds like, and they did. I think it's more of a bad look on the UFC for not understanding their audience well enough and not understanding the potential blowback and or just not backing Addison. Like you got this far in the process, brought her on. And just because you got some bad feedback, you pulled out of the deal. Like, did you not spend the time to really understand what she was going to mean for this brand or what her capabilities as whatever the role they were hiring for were going to be? So I think it's more on them than her. And kudos to her for even barking up that tree. No, I love it. There's a kid by the name of Josh Richards who kind of came up in the same time as Addison, TikToker, good looking kid was just known for these, you know, these quote unquote little dances on TikTok and the kids an, an absolute animal when it comes to business right now. He's got his hands in a million and one projects. He's doing a lot of behind the scenes. He's an investor in Ani Energy. He's working with the NHL because that's a passion point, right? So he's really just tapping into the things that he knows and loves and is finding a way to consult these larger than life corporations. And quite frankly, you know, I probably shouldn't be saying this as a marketer, but like these kids know more about marketing than anyone else, than anyone that's got an MBA, that anyone that's been in the industry for X amount of years. These kids are natives. They're living it. They understand the platforms. They understand the formatting. They understand what's going to make an audience tick. So good on them for getting these opportunities. This is exactly what they should be doing if they want to be doing it. 
but it's not for everyone. You know, some people just stumble into it and don't know how to react. Others see the opportunity and want to run with it. But no, I love it. Hat off to all of them. That kind of brings me to kind of my next question. So the personal brand has definitely evolved over the years. And, you know, you kind of mentioned it, how the guy, basically how he's in different brands and, you know, how he basically took his career from like doing dances to now he's in all these businesses. Um, But something that I've noticed is that people are a lot more, I'd say like open and not necessarily like PG on their social media. People post all types of things, whether it's drinking, you know, whatever, whatever, explicit. And for me, at least, showing my age growing up, like, that was very much like you were taught not to do that. I would like not let anyone take pictures of me drinking in college. I would untag myself. Like I always had in the back of my head, like do not get photographed or posted anywhere doing something that I shouldn't be doing. And not that I was doing anything crazy, honestly, <laughs> in college, but that was always my thought process. Like I would not get, you know, I would always think about what I post online. But now, I mean, I feel like that's not really, that's less common. I feel like people, I'm I'm getting less and less shocked that people post online. But in your opinion, since, you know, I think Alex, you work with like brands and getting people on and, and so do you, Joanna, but does that matter as much? Do, do brands like care about that stuff as much? Or can people kind of be, I'd say, as real as possible? Because that is also kind of their brand. Like, what are your thoughts on that? First, it matters, you know, some but but I think the reality is, is that there are so many brands out there and every brand has kind of different standards of, you know, what they're looking for. But it but it certainly does matter. But I think just starting with it really depends on your goals. I mean, some people will never touch sensitive or controversial topics or show themselves in other scenarios. And for others, it's a really important part of their brand. So I, I think, again, it, it's just, you know, if you're interested in in building your personal brand, um, you know, I think it's really important to understand what you're doing it for and reverse from there. If talking about politics or, you know, any, you know, COVID or showing yourself drinking or smoking or whatever, I mean, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Is that going to benefit your what you're trying to achieve or is it going to hurt it? I think that's really the, the first part. I mean, obviously, when you're maybe in middle school or high school and you're, you know, starting on these platforms, you may not be thinking about that. And so, you know, if there's anyone that young on here, I would just just say be careful because we live in a world where people aren't super forgiving of things that may have happened even 10, 15 years ago, maybe even more than that. So just be mindful of those things. But again, I really think it depends on what you're trying to achieve. You know, Alex touched on it earlier. People are craving authenticity and, and what sets you apart. And so if those are things that, you know, are super innate to you and important to you, then go ahead. But it does matter to brands. I mean, you know, a lot of brands, they'll run like risk analysis when they're creating deals with people, you know, looking at like past social media, anything that may have come up in the media. So it does matter. But again, there are also like smaller up and coming brands where risk factors are low. So it's really a risk reward from a brand perspective, but it does matter. Yeah, generally agree with what Joanna just said. I think it's case by case. Brands definitely are thinking about this stuff. They, they they need to know that the person they're working with or hiring is going to be quote unquote brand safe and, and not do anything stupid that's going to tarnish the perception of the brand. But I also think that that kind of thinking is on its way out. I think that's a very old school way of thinking. Um, I think the pie is large enough for everybody to just be themselves. Um, there's a reason why all these kind of niche communities are bubbling up across the internet is because there's opportunity for everyone to kind of find their place of comfort. But you have to also need to understand, like if you're going to smoke pot on a video, Huggies probably isn't going to hire you for 
uh, a campaign, right? So you just need to be mindful of like what your objective is, who are the types of people and worlds you want to play in. And you need to understand that, you know, there's cost benefit to, to everything. But at some point, you're gonna have to ask, like, am I am I willing to sacrifice who I really am for the long term? Or am I going to, quote unquote, fake the funk in the short term to make some short term economics? And the answer might be yes, for a multitude of reasons. And certainly not pointing the finger at anybody that does that. But I think we're in this interesting point in time where there's going to be these pockets where people are just being themselves and they, they don't care what anyone else is thinking. And there's going to be some pockets where people are more reserved. I think LinkedIn is going to be a very, very interesting platform for a lot of us. I think it's going to get more and more social. I think it's going to be less suit and tie over the next few years. I think a lot of people are going to start talking about their daily lives. And I'm not saying people are going to start posting pictures of themselves, drinking, smoking, whatever. But they're going to be far more open. And I think that's actually going to be good for the platform. I think it's going to be a place where people are going to be able to to let their hair down a little bit and show their true colors. You know, that oh, LinkedIn has always been this place where you got to act your best, right? You got to have your tie. And I think that's going to change. And I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, I personally would like to see LinkedIn be a little bit more authentic because I definitely feel like I see like the same stories over and over again. And <laughs> people have, I feel like the generic, like, thank you so much. I Loved working here. But then if you know them, it's like, that's not what you said. So I think that'll be an interesting thing to see on LinkedIn, how that how that changes. My next question is, what tips do you have if someone wants to start their own brand? Like, what do you think, do you have any tips for someone that, you know, I know a lot of people in our community are freelancers trying to do side hustles. Do you have any tips for them for how they can kind of build their own brand and stand out? Alex, you want to take it first? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um. I'm sure I'll blabble as I generally do. But yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's just be yourself. However best you can is be yourself. Stick to the things that are true to you. Don't fake the funk. I mean, obviously start from the point of, all right, what do I want to get out of this? And then work backwards from there. Like I, John knows this. I love music. I love classic rock. I love the Grateful Dead, right? Now, more time than not, most people hear the Grateful Dead and they're gonna be like, ooh, weird. You know, what kind of stuff are you into? Or, you know, that's, that's some hippie stuff, whatever, right? The one I'm getting at is that that I don't care what you think by me saying that. I care what you think about me once you get to know me. And I think it, it would be very interesting if I start putting out content about the Grateful Dead and how they are one of the most, they're one of the best brands to ever exist. They've built one of the most, the, the largest communities in music to ever exist. So if I storytell around the business and the marketing and the branding around the Grateful Dead, I think people will get a different perspective. And it's certainly something that they're not seeing on these platforms, right? So not only are they going to get a tidbit of, okay, this is interesting, Alex, this is the kind of music you listen to, but they're also, I'm also going to be able to penetrate them with my professional know-how and my thinking, right? My my opinions on business and marketing and how that pertains to a band like The Dead. So I, I think I think there's an interesting convergence of how you think in a day-to-day from a professional perspective, but how that also applies to your general interests. So a lot of times, you know, people get caught up in not knowing what to talk about, but there's so many daily lessons that we go through as individuals that we can easily put content around it. And by putting content, I mean putting up a couple of words on LinkedIn, recording some audio and just putting some words out there. Like you don't need to overthink it. You don't need this highly produced studio or video content, et cetera. 
You can simply just put out a couple words and see how people react. I think I'm so bullish on LinkedIn. I love it. And I, I love to talk about it because I think there is a massive opportunity for people to start showing their expertise, but showing it in different ways, not doing this contrived. This is LinkedIn. So I need to look and sound a certain way. Just be yourself, show your jobs, right? But do it in a way that also shows your personality. Become the person that people want to hear from and talk to and, and perhaps even have a beer with sometime, right? Do your best just to be a human because I think we're getting to this place and time and culture and society where people can see through the, the BS. They want human to human interaction. And I think the more you can be yourself and be comfortable with yourself, the better it's going to work out. For you. Very well said. Now I want to go Google the Grateful Dead. <laughs> I'll tell you um, everything. Don't worry. I, I think... <laughs> Um, I mean, I think everything that Alex said, and then I would really just add, like, there is trial and error. Like, don't get discouraged if you're not seeing immediate success. Put out a lot as long as it is, like, leading towards your objective. See what's working and build on that. It does take time. You know, yes, we're living in a world where one post could go viral. If you look at the success rates right now of TikTok and Instagram Reels, I mean, you're seeing content go viral fairly quickly. But there's never a guarantee. And so I would say be patient and be flexible. And I think, you know, even something as small as 20, 25 minutes a day where you're just going on these social platforms and engaging, posting, you know, researching and looking like it doesn't have to take a ton of time. Again, depends on what your goals are. You may need to actually spend a lot more time, but for the average person, you know, even 20, 25 minutes a day can be really beneficial to check out these platforms. It doesn't always need to feel so, you know, heavy. But I think the biggest thing is station and, and keep trying because it does, it takes a lot of time to really build a brand. It's very rare to see overnight success. But I think we tend to look at those that had it and think that that's how it, how it works. But um, that's very, very rare. Yeah, I would agree. And the, and the last thing I would say, and sorry to cut you off real quickly, is that you don't need to do anything from scratch to start. Like curating content from other people is one of the most invaluable ways to get things moving. Share a post from somebody else that you agree with or don't agree with and add your two cents on top of it. Like that will go a long way. And it's an easy and lightweight way for you to to get a better feel for for what you want to put out there and how people react and, and what people are gravitating towards. So so don't shy away from leveraging other people's content to add your two cents and your POV, because that is just as powerful as you creating an image from scratch or a video from scratch. You just got to put in the reps and time will tell as to where things will go. Oh, so I do. I think Keith might jump up. Yeah. What are your guys' opinions about um, spaces on Twitter? I've seen a lot of people that were on Clubhouse jump over to spaces and they find it more authentic as Clubhouse, is, I say this in air quotes, still in beta, even though it's really not. Um, I think the lack of curation of the hallway or whatever they want to call it is pretty poor. I mean, there needs to be some curation of it. And I've noticed a lot of people that were I mean, I jumped on in February and I haven't touched it for a while, like here and there. But, you know, I'm on Twitter. I'm kind of an ad industry and I found people from that were on Clubhouse now on Twitter hosting spaces. So I just wanted what your opinions were about that. And the I guess I don't know, I think putting the question, the seemingly kind of downward spiral of the way I see Clubhouse going into like these nonsense rooms and just for lack of a better word, crap. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I you haven't spent a ton of time on there recently. I think they had a lot of immediate success. And, you know, like we talked about earlier, kind of that undervalued attention and being a quick mover, if it will benefit your brand. I think a lot of people did benefit. But I think the reality now is platforms like Twitter and even Facebook just launched their version are seeing a lot of success. One, they have the investments to kind of build the attention around it. And two, a lot of these people already have built-in communities. There's no barrier to entry. And so I think Clubhouse really took this exclusivity model, which maybe worked in the beginning to create demand, but you know, it not being available on Android for a while and, and needing those invites, I think eventually lost its lackluster. And unfortunately, the technology wasn't too unique to them from an acquisition standpoint. And now you have all the other platforms that have created a similar tool, which puts them in a bit of trouble. I'm not too familiar in, in their roadmap and what they're working on in terms of curating rooms. But I think when your powerhouses like Facebook and Twitter, particularly Facebook, that have the funding and now a very similar tool, you know, it certainly puts them in a tough position. Yeah, for sure. I was, I started, I jumped on their right. I think it was the day or two after that Zuckerberg jumped into one of the rooms and crashed their servers. Um, <laughs> and clearly he was there for a reason. Um, but there are, there's still value in Clubhouse. It's really about the moderators um, and do they keep a schedule? But I think there was less updates and there's whatever they want to call their hallway, which I guess we call it the Facebook storyline. You can go and like certain things when you sign up but then it seems like they feed you sorry for lack of better reason a bunch of crap that you are not even interested in right like like, like flat earth stuff like i've never <laughs> touched that you know and i i learned about nft stuff on there but and met a lot of great people but then there's these you know real estate rooms that are all about you know pitching their you know commercial real estate and i don't know i've just found i've sat in a couple of rooms of photographers and nft people on twitter that had a following and you had to link a twitter generally or instagram account to clubhouse so it just uh, i saw a lot of development there for a long time for many months and the only thing they've added really is um i think donations and but i will say there are a few well curated rooms and it's really about the moderators yeah, I mean, it seems like maybe their UX hasn't innovated enough to keep up with the incoming competitors. So it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. But, you know, there's certainly platforms out there, including this one that, um, you know, are all kind of curating these these rooms that are well moderated. Yeah, thanks for calling that out, Joanna, because I am moderating this room. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing a great job, Rachel. You're doing a great this job. This is definitely most of these is well beyond anything on Clubhouse. There's like very few rooms that do a good job. But yeah, most of the stuff is uh, a lot better. Thanks, Keith. And I appreciate that. Uh, but Alex, do you have any thoughts on that before we wrap it up? Uh, no, Joanna, now that I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens when these incumbents come in and swallow up some of the market share. But also like Clubhouse got popular during COVID and who knows what happens in a in a post-COVID world. Like, will there be this appetite for this type of content? There very well may be, but who knows? But I think Keith nailed it that, you know, it's probably it's probably just a development issue where they haven't been able to, to figure out how to pique people's individual interests. But we shall see. That's all I got. All right. Well, since we're already at the hour, I just wanted to end with, um, so Joanna and Alex, what can people reach you for? What's the best way to reach you? Um, what's the best way? And yeah, anything, if you have anything that's going on that you want to share with everybody before we close out. 
I would say keep an eye on the football slash soccer space. We have the the U.S. has the World Cup qualifiers coming up in two weeks, and I think um, it's a really, really growing sport right now in the United States, and we have a really exciting team. So, if you're interested in sports, I'd say to tune in. And then, in terms of finding me, I have all links to my social channels in my profile. So feel free to hit me there and happy to connect and answer more questions if there are any. But thank you, Rachel, so much for having me. I, I would echo the same. I'd say first and foremost, any any questions about the Grateful Dead? I'm your guy. Come holler. Um, but more importantly, if anyone wants to continue this conversation, shoot me a note, what have you. Um, if anyone has any interest in working with us, Neil and Sartok, would love to chat. More or less, if anyone wants to get to get to know one another on a personal level, we'll let to jump on a Zoom and, and get to chat. And I think uh, people's the game. And I would love to meet each and every one of you if I could. So don't be shy. Links in bio, as they say. All right. Thank you so much, Joanna and Alex. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope everyone did. Um, I'm glad we you know, got a few questions and then that person and that. So they really appreciated the conversation. So some good feedback already. But yes, thank you again for everybody. And everyone have a great night. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks, everyone, for joining. That's all, folks. Thanks again for listening to Hardly Working. Join us live next time and talk directly to the speakers and, who knows, end up here. Fishbowl is a social network where professionals of the same industry have anonymous career conversations. You can download Fishbowl on the App Store or Google Play. If you want to host a Fishbowl live event, get in touch at live at fishbowlapp.com. See you soon! Thank you.